Tyrese Halliburton was stunned, Malika. Uh, the league is stunned at this trade. First 10 for three. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, if you haven't already, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We want to hear from you and get your feedback. I'm joined by my co-host and colleague, Caitlin Cooper. Caitlin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It once again feels like it's a month since I last talked to you. If How long has it been? Like two weeks? It feels longer. It's it been feels, a while. It feels like a while. This has been the longest summer of my life. I was telling you before we got on, I think I, I've literally traveled more in, from the from July 1st to now, I've traveled more than I have in my entire life combined. So um, it's been an adventure, but it's been a good adventure, so I can't complain. But what are we here to do today? Today, in the wake of our two-hour July mailbag <laughs> podcast, we are, the, the Pacer schedule was officially released yesterday. And we have both, instead of doing like a traditional schedule breakdown pod, we decided that we wanted to each pick our five most intriguing or most anticipated, however we want to look at it, games of the year. And we are going to each power rank them in reverse order. Oh, we're doing reverse order. Yeah, I'm going to start with number five. Why? Did you want to start with number one? No, I, I just didn't even think about it. That makes sense. Yeah, start with number five. Who do you want to start with? Okay, so I'll just go ahead with my number five. And my number five is somewhat nebulous because it would not have mattered who they played. I picked opening night. I like it, opening night. To it. Yeah, I like opening night because, you know, it's a hope springs eternal. Anything can happen. Sometimes you get out to a 23 point lead in the third quarter, and that turns out to be the high point of an entire season. <laughs> Other times. You just, you never know. So they're playing the wizards. I don't think I really care that much about the Washington wizards though. Like if we look at the first three games of the year, it is a chance that the Pacers are going to get to see Benedict Matherin up against other guys that they worked out or at least spoke to since Johnny Davis will be playing in that game. Potentially Jeremy Sohan against the Spurs, Jaden Ivey with Detroit. So that's, that's kind of fun. Soft opening for the Pacers. That's not a really challenging schedule. I don't think to this point, just looking off of it on paper. Um, matchup wise, I don't think I'm like super interested in these two teams going up against each other. I did looking back at last year, I did like the, the end of one of Tyrese's first games with the Pacers. I remember the little, um, matchup tweak that the wizards made out of a timeout when they put Denny Avdia on Tyrese, which you would think was like, Oh, cause you know, Denny's a really good isolation defender makes sense to put him on Tyrese, but it was more so so that they could switch him because they were running a switch everything defense onto Terry Taylor to prevent Tyrese from being able to throw the ball to Terry on the slip. And then when it happened, Terry actually like pinned Denny Avdia under the glass and got the putback layup. And that was one of the better games. So I did like that little chess match because prior to that, Denny Avdia had been kind of like roaming off of Lance, but obviously the pieces are going to be a lot different this year, but um, sounds like you two were also going to be picking opening night. I mean, in this case, we will have Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis, which the Pacers didn't see the two of them together, potentially Halliburton and Miles playing for the first time together as well. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, no, I did have the same one. And just to, to you know, hit out a little bit on what you mentioned as well. Um, exact same thing for me. 
I, uh, I mean, that, that opening night really set the tone. Like I'll never forget being at halftime and, and texting Tom and be like, this was great. Like, this is the new team. Like, it looks like everything's clicking. And then the second half, it was like, yeah. So obviously, I mean, we have way different expectations for this team. Uh, even like last year, we had, we weren't really sure what to have as expectations for the team because it was just such a wonky year. And um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I like, I mean, I'm right there in the same boat. I think it would, I kind of just don't know how entirely to view what this team is until we know a, what the roster is on opening night um, and be how they come out and play. Yeah. Cause I think that's a really good point because I mean, today they announced the signing of yet another player, Davidis um, from Lithuania. I don't exactly know. I think that's a training camp deal, but technically they're at the full 20 man roster at this point in time. Um, in addition to the four guys that they have on the exhibit 10 deals and they did not move Daniel Tice. They have not moved miles Turner. They have not moved buddy healed or Goga Batadze. So we don't exactly know if this roster will be exactly the same when the season starts, but right now we're going to go off of it that way. But I did want to reference and say that if people haven't looked at like the full breakdown of the schedule that Nathan does every year, which is really good. He crunches all the numbers, looks at, you know, all the home stands, the road games and goes month by month and also looks at the back to backs. I like this sentence that he had on the end where he says, quote, all in all, it's hard to look at this schedule and find the more favorable and less favorable stretches due to the uncertainty about what kind of win total the Pacers will be capable of. And I think that kind of summarizes how both of us feel as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, like I said, it's nice to see that they have these three early games against teams that also aren't necessarily projected to be heavily, you know, in the playoff mix. And and maybe that lets them get off to a little bit easier start. Cause like last year's start to the schedule was, was pretty rough. Um, We remember everybody talking about that, even at media day where Rick was like, well, you know, we had a tough start with the Mavericks last year, but then we really kicked it into gear over the second half. And, you know, for the Pacers, that never exactly materialized, obviously. But um, was that your number five as well? That was my number five. Oh, I thought we were each going to be picking completely different games. But I I'm did gonna, too. But... I'm going to let you go and do your number four. Okay. Um, Number four for me, and this is, again, like kind of more along the lines of I'm not entirely sure how to view this. Um, But I have the March 24th game against Boston uh, okay. on NBA TV. And I the like reason it. I have this is just – a, again, like we don't really know what uh, what this team is going to be doing in March. Uh, I would be under the like, I think you and I both have the assumption competitive, but losing um, like that's kind of our hope for the season based on everything that they've talked about and current direction of the team. So to me, I think a really good test and, and gauge of whether this team is competitive, but, you know, obviously still in the losing end is playing a team as good as Boston in the only televised game, I mean, not the only televised, the only nationally televised game this team is going to play in the second half of the season after start 2023 hits. Um, just given this team's penchant for being absolute dog shit on national TV, um, I think, like, again, it's not everything, but seeing this team play at least decently and show flashes of what they can be in the future against a uh, a reigning title contender like that's something that's really uh it's not important per se but to me I th it's something that i definitely am going to be taking note of and trying to watch like i don't want to just see them get uh their brains brains bashed in losing by like you know 25 uh on nba tv to the celtics so i, I think like to me and especially too with malcolm playing um who knows if he will actually be playing in that game but like that's 
That's what I, 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 I did not mean that to be rude, but like just legitimately, I, you never know with Malcolm. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's definitely on my watch list. I actually really like that game. I didn't even look at it from the perspective that you just did with the NBA TV component. Like, I know that's not the same as ESPN and TNT, but I do think you make a really good point because what you said is is accurate. Like those two games, especially the one they played against the Heat midway through the season last year in Miami when they were in the massive hole at halftime and basically like the broadcast turned into a podcast just talking over the top of the game. Um, they didn't necessarily rise to the occasion in those particular matchups. And this is an opportunity to showcase themselves. And, you know, they played that game against Boston. You know, Boston was at the end of a very long road trip when the Pacers beat them fairly handedly after the trade deadline. But that was a fun game. And the one that they went up and played in Boston toward the back end of the season when Tyrese was almost perfect and did some stuff against some switches um, was a fun game as well. So if they're fully healthy, depending upon who's still on the roster at that point in time, it will be kind of interesting to see too, because you know if we look back to last year when they did the two game mini series in January against Boston, like that was kind of right on the cusp of when the Celtics started making some of their defensive adjustments in terms of how they were using Robert Williams and the big lineups. And you know I'll be fascinated to see who they assign him to, especially mm-hmm. now that Jalen Smith has been announced as the starting four. Like who will they see as the lower usage wing? My guess is Jalen, but you know also like. I think that there is possibility between, you know, having Miles, Jalen, Isaiah Jackson as potentially, you know, the three big rotation that we might see some Miles and Isaiah Jackson. So just the idea of of Robert Williams and Isaiah Jackson both playing the Romer role at the same time is kind of fascinating to me as well. So I support that pick. Good one. Good. And that's not one that I picked. So I appreciate um, that. So what is your number four? I kind of cheated a little bit. I'm going to talk this one through with you and get okay. your opinion. Um, I love the mini series, as we just said, I'm a big fan of the baseball two game back to backs against teams. I really like watching the adjustments and and the second game in particular. So we have three options here. They play three mini series. The Pacers do the first one will be on Halloween against Brooklyn. The other one is at kind of towards the end of November, November 21st against the magic. And then one against Detroit in March. And my inclination here is, I really want to pick the second game against Detroit in March. My only fear is, is that either team might be in somewhat of a quasi tanking state um, sitting players out, but I really do like the idea of watching them play against Detroit late in the season, because I just think that, you know, Jaden Ivy, Cade Cunningham, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin could be, you know, two fun backcourts to watch go up against each other. And hopefully both Jaden Ivy and Benedict Matherin, if there is a rookie wall for either of them, are going to be through that, hopefully by that point in time in the season. And because of what happened against Detroit late last year, we know that the offense in the one game tilted incredibly toward Malcolm Brogdon because Tyrese was struggling a little bit against Detroit's switching defense. And then in the other game, Late in the year against Detroit, Detroit, you know, sat most of their players in the fourth quarter and the Pacers still ended up losing the game despite like full court pressing. So um, I know it's going to sound ridiculous to people when they look at what my list of five games is, but I really do think that I'm picking a late March game between two potentially, you know, lottery bound teams because I wanted to pick the Brooklyn game, but at this point in time, I'm a little bit tired of hearing about the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know how you feel. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if Kevin Durant and Kyrie will still be on the roster or not. So if they're not on the roster, I'm a little bit less interested in that one, other than the fact that we might get to see if TJ Warren is a real basketball player still or not. That would at be this very point nice. in time, At this point in time, I don't know. He might be a hologram. 
I tweeted this out the other day. Um, my uh, my dream scenario for the Brooklyn Nets is that um, Kyrie and KD end up both somewhere where they're happy and they want to play basketball. But TJ Warren is healthy, plays 70 games, and averages 23 points per game back in bubble form and makes the all-star team. Is it going to happen? No. But it would be fantastic if it did. So. Yeah, that is a, that is my dream scenario. I mean, just seeing TJ Warren actually play a basketball game almost led me to pick the Brook the second Brooklyn game in October. But I have some other picks from early in the season, and I just felt like I can't have all of my picks in like the first month of the year, despite yeah. my anticipation. So um, that's where I went. Yep, people, I picked the Pistons game from March. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I cheated too, and I had the Pistons back-to-back as as one of mine um, because I think it, it provides a really interesting thing. Like, obviously, divisions don't really matter anymore, but I do think, you know, we, you and I talked about this, I think, uh, late in the season about how, honestly, like, the outlook for this team looked worse than any team in the Central Division, if we're being honest. Like, the Bulls had a had a resurgent year last year. Again, you can question more about what their future is in general. I'm probably higher on that than consensus tends to be. But the Bucks are obviously the Bucks. Giannis is still there. Detroit, as much as they struggled, like now they have like like we just talked about Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Kate Cunningham is going to be incredible. Already is. Um, like I, I do think that you can legitimately look at this team, and I'm, we didn't even without even mentioning Cleveland. Like I, I imagine Cleveland taking another step forward this year. Um, and I think you can legitimately look at the that central division and be like, okay, well, how do the Pacers actually stack up in terms of looking at what this future is? And I think I, I'm right there with you. Like, what does it actually mean when we're in the second week of March? What are both these teams doing? Um, but I do think the idea of getting to see these two teams play a back-to-back series um, is interesting because, like, I, I, it's obviously you know, a two two games doesn't make the entire uh, the entire um trajectory for either team but it will be interesting to see what it looks like yeah I'm here for the adjustments that's where I went that way and I do think that even if they are in somewhat quasi tanking mode if you trace the last two years with Dwayne Casey typically like you still get hard yeah you still get three decent quarters and and it's not that they like just take their foot off the gas it's more that they just completely sub guys out at the end of the game so there's potential for that but I still think we could get good basketball you know, for three and a half quarters, potentially. I so. agree. Um, okay. Number three. Yeah. Number Where three we for me. That's a, that's a good question. Where do I want to go with this one? Um, Yeah. Number three for me is on New Year's Day. The, okay. The Indiana Pacers will play the Los Angeles Clippers at 3 p.m. EST on New Year's Day. I do love the New Year's games. I really yeah. do. And I really wanted to choose this one a just because, like you know, closing out the new year, you wanna you wanna get out on a on a good note. But also, I felt like the Clippers games last year were some of the most fun games that we had. Like the, we had the Isaiah Jackson game against the Clippers, and I think especially too when um, you know you wrote a really great article that I still need to uh, I still need to write about. I mean, not write about that. I still need to read. I've been so busy the last couple of days, I can't even speak words. Um, but. It's uh, I think it'll just be a really interesting place to note, like a really interesting game to see, like, okay, is this a switch everything defense or trying to do something like like that, as we saw a little bit against that them in that Clippers game, especially on a team that likes to play that as well. Um, And I mean, Paul George is involved. I love Paul George. Um, I'm sure somebody will message us mad that I said that, but. Um, sentiment remains. He's a a very aesthetically pleasing player. Exactly. A lot of smoothness there. 
that's a game that I look at. I'm like, I'm actually excited to watch that game this year. Like, I want to watch the Clippers play basketball. I, I want to see how this team plays against them just because we've seen some fun stuff in, in the past. So I, I have that game. I also have a soft spot for matinee games mm-hmm. um, on a holiday. Like, I, I'm here for that one. And like you mentioned, like when they were in, they played the first Clipper game last year and Chris Duarte had, I think, one of his best games of the year in terms of his all-around performance when they were out in L.A. The Pacers played a ton of 1-3-1 zone at the end of that game, and it did not go well. Goga had a lot of problems. Nicholas Batum was, like, making corner three after corner three after corner three. And then they came back and played, like you mentioned, Isaiah Jackson had his career game, and they played quite a bit of zone in that one, too, as I recall. And the Clippers had, like, I think that was at the end of their, like, Grammy road trip. I don't really remember, but... It was a fun game. I liked it. I like, I want to see the Clippers in, you know, full strength, which hasn't been the case for them. And so you get a chance, if you get a chance to watch Paul George and Kawhi, you probably should do it. So um, I, I, I like that one as well. My pick for number three is going to be kind of astonishing given how the games went last year, but that's in part why I'm picking it. So I'm taking us to the end of January, January 29th at Memphis. Um, I picked that one because the other game against Memphis that's at home is the second night of a back-to-back. So I, this one on the road, they're getting a day off in between after having played the Bucks. Last year, the Pacers didn't get a play against John Morant. John Morant's probably one of the most fun players in the NBA to watch. Um, that's also like a really interesting matchup, I think, between, you know, he and Miles Turner. We don't really think about guards and centers as matchups, but like in terms of jaw leading the league and, and paint points and, and, and getting two feet in the paint and what Miles Turner does as a rim protector, I think that's pretty fun to watch that back and forth. But also like two weaknesses that the Pacers had last year that kind of project to continue into next year are the antithesis of what the Memphis Grizzlies are. So last year, the Memphis Grizzlies were number one in offensive rebounding percentage and number one in transition frequency. The Pacers after the trade deadline were 25th in opponent offensive rebounding rate and last in transition frequency. And obviously they lost both those games by like approximately, you know, 40 points a piece towards the back end of the season. And it was, (laughs) yeah, it was like they were up against the buzzsaw and and predominantly for the reasons I just said, like, because the Pacers couldn't keep pace because they had to send guys to the glass. They're not good at preventing people from being on the offensive glass. So then they couldn't really get out and transition themselves. They could do nothing to stop the Grizzlies in transition and jaw wasn't even playing. So I think by the end of January, it's not like I'm expecting them to be competitive or something here. It's just for me, I want to watch that game and see how are they going to answer either one of those two problems? It's not necessarily that it's going to be a fix, but like as the season goes on, that's past the midway point of the season. Have they found a solution for what they're going to be doing to be a better rebounding team? Have they found a way to be better at defending and transition? Because at a certain point in time, like you can look at it. Like I think more and more NBA teams, a little bit are starting to get a little bit more towards sending people to the offensive glass instead of doing like the old Boston Celtics where like nobody gets sent because you want to prevent transition opportunities. But like, if you're going to do that, which the Pacers were kind of close over the back end of the season, like, can you get more second chance points because they themselves were a good offensive rebounding team. Can you get more second chance points than you're giving up and fast break points? And what's that balance going to be for them? Because you know, we do know that they tried to upgrade the athleticism of their own roster. I think that they want to get out and run. I'm guessing that Rick Carlisle's on board with that, given that the way that they drafted, does it play out? I think that's the perfect game to use as a measuring stick for that. 
I like that answer. I did not have that one, but I do like that answer. Cool. Okay. So we're we're almost we're we're getting close to the good games now. We're at we're at number two. Well, yeah, my number two, some would call it bad games. I think these are exciting games. Uh you hit on it briefly earlier. And I have the Orlando back to back in November. Okay. I'm so excited for that. First, I mean, like part of it is I'm like egregiously high on Orlando and who they're gonna be as a team. Um, I really love what their roster is. Uh, I think a lot of people be like, well, they don't have like a primary creator. I'm like, I don't care. They just have a lot of good basketball players. Um, and again, like I just, another young team, I, I would say that they're a little bit further ahead in what their roster building and development is than the Pacers are. Um, but I think it's just another good opportunity. Like you, like you mentioned, like watching some matchups, um, seeing how they're able to uh, shift um, in between games and game plan in between uh, and what that looks like, just two teams that are are pretty young that are both trying to be part of that next wave of good teams in the East. Um, I'm excited for that, especially, too, because I think what makes this so interesting, like they're kind of polar opposites in roster build in some ways. Like Orlando is huge. Like they mm-hmm. they can legitimately play three players who are all uh, more four or fives, but they have the switchability, fluidity, mobility to I just hit through every ITY word at you. But um like to legitimately just play um, extremely fluid. I don't like saying positionless basketball because there's still positions, but like it just extremely fluid kind of amalgamous basketball with a ton of size. And the Pacers are going to run a lot of three guard lineups this year, I'd imagine. Um, so it's just a very interesting blend of seeing how those two teams are going to play against one another. And I, I don't really have an answer for what quote unquote is better. I personally tend to lean to- more towards how Orlando is doing things, but um I think that'll just be a really fun series to watch early on in the year. Okay, a couple questions. Yeah. Number one off the top of my head, who on the Pacers roster defends Paolo Bancaro? <laughs> Nobody. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, that's a great question. Like, I that well, I mean, let me pull up the Pacers roster because I'm trying to think right now. I'm like, yeah, I don't like any of these answers. Um, I think the problem is too, like, okay, when you have, the, let's say, I'm trying to think who I would even have the Finn Powell, and I don't have – I really don't have an answer. I mean, it's probably going to have to be Jalen Smith in the starting lineup, is it not? Yeah, and I just – do you think that's going to go well? Um, <laughs> I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I would be pretty mum on that. Um, I think maybe you're just hoping, like, Ajax just, like, randomly turns into an all-world defender at that point. Um, even then, like, Powell is so strong. Mm-hmm. Like – See, that's what's so exciting about that Orlando team to me. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, you can have your your 6'10 guy who's really long and athletic and makes good rotations and can play on the ball a little bit, play Paolo. But okay, cool. Who's going to guard Franz Wagner? Who's going to guard Wendell Carter Jr.? Like that that front court is so intriguing to me. Um, Another for, question. Yeah. Okay, so if I told you Pistons, Pacers, Magic – which of those three do you think will make a playoff play in a playoff series first? I would probably pick the magic to be honest. I think I might lean that way too. Just because like, especially too, like they're, I don't want to say like they're quote unquote farther along in the rebuild, but I, they showed a lot more last year in terms of like, I, they were a top 10 defense in the second half of the year. And that, that wasn't just false. Like they played really good defense against good teams too. Um, the offense again, going to be, a work in progress, but Jalen Suggs is going to be better this year. I I mean, he can't really be worse offensively than he was last year. Um, 
Paolo, I, th- I, I mean, you and I have both talked about, it. like, I think Paolo is going to be so good. Um, that team just makes a lot of sense to me as being better. I don't think they're going to be a title contender next year or anything, but if they win like 35 games and are in the play-in, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. I mean, those two games that they played in Orlando, the Pacers played against them last year. Remember when Gogo played like 45 seconds? (laughs) Yes. That was so random. What a time. And then Chris Duarte had the toe thing. I think that's when he re-injured the toe and then he didn't play. But Brogdon had the good uh, third quarter and the second one. And then they ended up going to overtime. And Tyrese made the timeout signal. Like, those two games were fun. So, I mean, I like I said, I'm totally here for the baseball series. I would have been here for us picking either one of the second games of those three just because I like to watch the teams go back and forth and see what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. My pick for number two, people are going to think those li- these lists that we've made are hilarious. Like if they just saw the game, the names of the teams that we picked, I picked the December 29th game against Cleveland. Okay. Um, I picked that one because it is the 36th game of the season. So we're almost at the midway point. And a lot of my picks, I wanted to pick like schematic things that I knew that like what I just did with the Memphis game that I knew were somewhat problems for the Pacers, because I want to have a frame of reference for, you know, how have they solved this? Do they have a solve for this? So in Tyrese's first game that he played for the Pacers, they played the Cavs and the Pacers got completely stymied in that fourth quarter by Jared Allen and Evan Mobley switching out. It really bothered them to get into offense. So If we're at the midway point of next season, it's Tyrese's first full season. I really want to see what he's going to do that many games into the year against Evan Mobley. Like you have, you have plenty of time to work through that as the season goes. And the other upside of picking this particular game is that if the Cavs win, it benefits the Pacers because that just pushes them one step further to making the playoffs. So um, that's why I picked the Cavs game. I like that. I really like that, especially too, like you mentioned, that was the game where uh, it was it was super close to that game, wasn't it? And yeah. then the fourth quarter run was just absolutely nuts. Kevin uh, Kevin Love had that like behind the back wraparound pass to the corner. Um, that was a fun game to watch to watch the Cavs. Uh, the Cavs vibes were so. I mean, it's just wild point. when you watch it back to see yeah. how much they were trying to get away, like different things that they did. Like I remember in that fourth quarter, it was the first time all year that I had seen Chris Duarte get a post touch, and to call it a post touch is a little bit of a stretch because he was basically like posting at the three point line, and they effectively did that because every time Tyrese was getting a switch or any of the guards were getting a switch, they couldn't get into the paint or they were taking like wild layups against the two of those guys. So. Um, put Jared, put Duarte in the post and then made one of the two of them guard up top through a flare screen for Buddy. So it's kind of like what you just said against the Magic. Like if you have Matherin and you have Duarte out there, what types of creative things can you do against these teams with more size? Like, you know, when we were watching them in Summer League and they were doing like a lot of blocker mover sets, can you run Duarte and Matherin or Buddy or whoever it is out there through enough pin downs and flare screens that you're at least making those guys have to potentially work in uncomfortable ways and also like can you get to the next action because early when I was talking about Detroit that was part of the problem too for the Pacers towards the back end it was very you know one and done like we're, we're getting this ball screen and we have this switch and we can't do anything against it and maybe late in the clock Tyrese is deferring to somebody else like can you get to the next action that's the type of stuff I want to see so seeing it again like what you're saying this juxtaposition against size and the three guard lineups I think all of that's pretty compelling yeah no, I really like that. Um, especially, I'm so excited to watch the Cavs play this year. Um, I miss watching Cleveland Cavalier basketball. 
when they were uh, healthy for yeah sure. yeah yeah when they were healthy for sure um they're gonna be so interesting okay where do i want to go with my last game number I have, like, one a lot of pressure here i know like number uh, one was easy for me though i, oh, I was, was pretty prepared for number one yeah okay well number one for me is going to be the november 30th game against the sacramento kings okay um, i didn't yeah. pick that I is it is it strictly because I want to be on handshake watch? Um, who daps up who? You know what is it? What does it look like when Domas comes back? But no, no. Like in all sincerity, like um, I well, that really... game's in Sacramento. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, okay, you weren't talking about Sabonis coming back to Indiana. You you want the road game? Yeah, because it'll be just the first okay. game that he's playing against Indiana. So I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's true. I really, I really want to watch that one. I'm just kind of excited. I mainly because. Um, I, I I'm like to keep myself in check. Like I, I think the Kings are, I mean, like I TBD because of like what the, who, who is Mike Brown as a coach. Now I'm interested to see what that looks like. Um, I'm biased because I grew up as a kid in Cleveland. So the Mike Brown cats were like awesome. Um, more, mainly LeBron James was awesome. Those rosters were, it's, it's so wild to look back at the, have you ever like just looked back at, at the starting lineup for the 07 Cavs in the in the finals? <laughs> it is gross. It's yeah. actually gross. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to see the Kings play this team because I am really excited about the Kings this year. But just seeing Domas play again against them, um, a little bit of a revenge game for him, I suppose. Um, same thing for for Tyrese, his first opportunity to play against the Kings uh, after being traded. So. Um, I, I don't really care about it from a perspective of like, you know, revenge for either of them. I'm just, I, I think it'll be a fun game. And it, like, again, like a cool juxtaposition to be like, you know, where are these both, both these teams at uh, a month and a half into the year? Um, not that it's going to mean a ton, but I'm just interested to see how it plays out. Okay. Cause this was on my honorable mention list because mm-hmm. of what you just mentioned that the Kings game um, at the end of the year last year was one of my favorite games of the year because like, a lot of times it does get built. Like you said, you're not interested in the revenge aspect of it. Like a lot of times that's how these types of games get built, but we don't always look at it through the lens of, you know, not only does Tyree do Tyrese and buddy know what plays the Kings were running, especially last year, midway through the season, unless the Kings had made a lot of adjustments and terminology and whatnot, but that opponent knows Tyrese better than anybody. So when they came out and played that game, like Davian Mitchell was definitely invested in guarding Tyrese Halliburton. And like the Kings do not have a good defense, but you know, he is, you know, he can have some on ball defensive highlights all on his own. And they were, they were weaking Tyrese on every single pick and roll and then switching out. And it was fun to watch what adjustments the Pacers made throughout the game, you know, have starting to run actions for Tyrese to go to his left, to combat that. Um, switching the way they were running some of those plays. And then Tyrese ended up with one of the only 15 assists, zero turnover games of the year. Um, didn't do quite as well from the field, but definitely did well from a playmaking standpoint. And I thought that that was a really fun game to watch up until the point when Buddy dribbled the ball off his leg at the end. But as it turned out, that that loss did kind of help the Pacers, even though the Kings ended up moving ahead of them in the lottery um, at the draft lottery anyways. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to watching the Kings. I want to see Keegan play with Sabonis and with Harrison Barnes and how they're going to integrate Kevin Herter as well. I think there's a lot you can do with him and Sabonis. So I think both teams have the potential to be fun. The only reason I didn't pick it is because I'm dreading, absolutely dreading um, the Turbonis narratives that will run <laughs> yes. out of that game. Like, I don't know if I can tolerate that. Like the one game takes we're going to have from however the two of them match up and play against each other. 
um, and Les Miles isn't on the roster anymore. So that was the reason that I had to sub that one out. I will say, like, I cannot believe that neither of us picked as another honorable mention DeAndre Ayton's homecoming. <laughs> when the Suns yes, play, time pacer. there could be a tribute video for those two minutes when he was a pacer. I mean, there's a lot of contributions made there. And also, my other one that I almost picked that I will give a shout out to, the November 4th game against the Miami Heat is of interest to me for some several reasons, but also like just to make another narrative game. Victor Oladipo hasn't played back in Baker's Life Fieldhouse yet. He did have a very interesting tweet that he has since deleted a few weeks ago. I don't know if you saw the tweet. I did see the tweet. Yeah, like he's since deleted it, but kind of mentioned that like I didn't I thought there was some revisionist history in the tweet. And I also don't think that the circumstances between he and Paul George and Sabonis and the way that they were no longer on the team were really at all comparable. But, you know, he kind of seemed to be shifting some of the onus onto the Pacers front office. And what we have said in the past, like there probably is quite a bit of gray area between, you know, some of these the guys who have most recently been all-stars for the Pacers just absolutely wanting out no matter what and what the team's doing for star retention. So um, not necessarily that he's clearly not playing at an all-star level anymore, but we haven't seen him play at, at Gamebridge yet since he was traded to the Rockets and since then moved to the Heat and re-signed with the Heat. So I also think just schematically that the Heat are kind of interesting. Those two games were really telling and kind of, I mean, what both of us thought, like the one home game, that was the turning point for me where I was like, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> like that was when I was ready to pull the plug on what the old version of this Pacer team was. Like, I just felt like frustrations were boiling over. They could do nothing against the zone. The spacing was horrible. And I was like, yeah, this, this needs to be done. And then within the week, it was like getting reported that um, they were shopping all those guys. But my actual number one pick, just to shout out the honorable mentions, my actual number one pick, the October 24th game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, that's going to be the first road game of the year after the three game kind of soft start to the schedule. They're going to be on a five game road trip pretty early in the season. And we have not since at all last year, miles and Joel Embiid did not play against each other. Hmm. So the two of them have not played against each other since Joel Embiid last said, quote, I say this respectably. That's a matchup that I have dominated since I got into the league and the numbers support that claim. Um, Miles had made some comments prior to the last one that like, if he is who he is, like he can do something against the matchup. Um, it's not even so much just Miles versus Embiid for me as much as will it be Miles versus Embiid for me if he's still on the roster. The Sixers obviously have Melton. They have Daniel House now. They have P.J. Tucker. Like to me, there's a lot more flexibility of what they can do defensively across that roster than what they've had in the past. So given what we know of what's been, you know, somewhat Tyrese's struggles and hip and shoulder wars against length when guys switch out to him and what we know of can be somewhat Miles's weaknesses. I'm kind of interested to see like in lineups when PJ Tucker might be out there with Embiid, like, will they cross match that? Um, that's something that I want to see very early in the year or how are teams willing to defend that? So I think that there's a chance that we might see PJ Tucker guarding Miles Turner in that game and Joel Embiid guarding Jalen Smith, unless Jalen Smith is shooting the lights out of the ball. Um, because in the last, toward the end of last season, when the Pacers played the back to back against the Sixers, they did that. Um, they put Joel Embiid on Terry Taylor and had him sag off and then had other guys in the screening action with Jalen Smith as the role man. So I kind of want to see like if they are going to be doing the switching on cross matches with Miles Turner as your primary screener. What are you going to do against that? Is Tyrese going to be able to get into the paint against a guy like PJ Tucker on a switch? 
will Miles post up the switch of whoever was originally guarding Tyrese? And if they come in double, what's he going to do about that? Because um, I imagine that in pick and rolls that involved Joel Embiid, like if he is guarding Jalen and then they were to go for Jalen as a screener, they'll probably still predominantly use Embiid and drop. But um, I think that all of those particular things, particularly from the cross match stand up that I've mentioned in the past, because Prior to the last time Miles was officially the starting five, they never had, they basically never had Embiid guarding him full time. Ben Simmons would guard Miles and they would put Joel Embiid on Thaddeus Young. So just four games into the year, I think that that will be a good measuring stick for the Halliburton Miles Turner pairing if it actually becomes a thing. No, I like that. I think that's a really good point to bring up. That's one I hadn't actually thought through like that. So I am a big fan of that one. Um, I think it also just brings me to the point of I'm just so ready for for Miles to be on a different team, as is Miles. Um, I don't like having to think about this all the time. Um, well, because, I mean, I was thinking the other day, like, not to completely derail our podcast, but, like, I was looking at where the depth chart would be and thinking about who would play where. And I don't like think, having to think about, like, well, what will maximize trades, trade value? Yeah. Like, and not that that can't be any of your thought process. And obviously you do want the Pacers if they do decide to move miles or buddy healed to get a good return. But it's like, I didn't like that. My thinking was, well, they probably need to start buddy because of how he performed as a starter last year. And maybe Chris Duarte will get more touches if he's, you know, sixth man off the bench. Like I just, I'm kind of tired of having to think through those types of games. And just like this right here thinking about like, well, who would need to play with miles at the four. So that type of a cross match wouldn't happen because obviously like if you are bringing miles back predominantly for the purpose of recouping his trade value, because at this point, again, like I know there was shenanigans between like what Bob Kravitz had reported and miles having a tweet and other stuff. Like I don't really care about any of that up until the point, unless somebody tells me that he's going to sign an extension, nothing about my opinion changes. Mm -hmm. If he's not going to sign an extension, then the Indiana Pacers need to move him. You can't risk him walking for nothing. So if the beginning of the season is about, you know, recouping his value, I don't know how much I like that. Like having to tilt tons of offense to try to prop up, you know, what he's been in the past, but also just thinking through stuff like this, like, well, who needs to be out there so that he can be, defended by Joel Embiid and potentially shoot in space or, you know, other stuff. So I see where you're coming from with that, but I guess my thought is if they are bringing him back, I'm, I want to see ways that they can be competitive doing it. Like if that's the goal. Mm-hmm. No, that totally makes sense. Um, I, I'll, can I be completely honest with you? Mm-hmm. I do not like schedule release day. I don't um, really either. That's like, why I wanted to do this more subjective exercise. With you. I was very happy to to do a pod together, but like schedule release day hits yesterday and part of it helps that I'm like working in the WNBA right now. So I'm still focused on basketball without being focused on this basketball. But like, I'm just like, guys, it's, it's, it's August 17th. Like I just, I'm not in the capacity right now to be worrying about what's going on in October, you know, but uh, it's not even just so much that is it's more just like an outlook calendar booking like yeah that's why i don't want to i didn't want to like totally break down a schedule especially for where um the team is at right now but i did think it would be fun just to pick out what we Definitely. thought might be fun games so Was... hopefully people enjoyed this exercise especially when i look now at my top five guys ri- top five games written in here in ink and just listen to this mark my top five games are the wizards 
the Cavs, the Pistons, the Grizzlies, and the Sixers. Hey, I mean, that's... It sounds funny to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's certainly a a group of teams. Um, So, yeah, I think that's I had reasons for them. I imagine they're not going to be reasons that other people have when they pick their top five games, but... Uh, Same, but I'm pretty pumped about it. I can't complain. Um, We had pretty similar. I mean, I had Orlando up there too, so it's not like uh, it's not anything crazy. Um, But I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be good. So I'm I'm looking forward to this season. I'm looking forward to all the chats we get to have on here about it. Um, I was told that you had some Ohio slander. I do have some Ohio slander. So since we last chatted, I ventured across the border into Ohio for reasons that I won't get into. But I was in Ohio, and I have since developed a new obsession with a new frozen treat. So So I wonder what you were in Ohio for. (laughs) I don't want to completely say what I was in Ohio for. But the reason that I'm upset and need to slander Ohio right now is that I went to McDonald's while I was over there. Because I don't know if you know this in the part of Ohio that you're in, but here in Indiana where I live, McDonald's now has frozen Sprite lemonades. What? Okay. So you know that I like the Giannis 50-50. You're aware yeah, of this. Yeah, of course. So like the actual like pop that's Sprite lemonade, they've turned into an icy. And McDonald's sells this. And it is fantastic. Like I can't tell you how many of these I've purchased. So I was on the road in Ohio and I was thirsty. I was like, heck yeah, there's McDonald's. I'm going to go get a frozen Sprite lemonade. I wait all the way through a very long line, get to the speaker. I'm like, I want a large frozen Sprite lemonade. They're like, we don't have that. Basically, what are you talking about? I'm like, I just waited like 20 minutes in the (laughs) drive-thru and you don't even have this. So I was just like, okay, I don't need anything. So I leave. I drive to the next McDonald's in Ohio and they do not have it either. So apparently this has not come to Ohio. Have you seen it where you are at in Ohio? I'll be completely honest, Caitlin. I can't remember the last time I went to McDonald's. Well, I only went there because there was ads for this. Like there was billboards in Indiana, like come try the new frozen Sprite lemonade. And I was like, Mm. of course I will try that. (laughs) I mean, I'm your target audience. So I drove to McDonald's. That's the only reason I go there. But I was in Ohio trying to get myself one of these refreshing beverages, and apparently it hasn't come to Ohio, and I really blame you for that. Well, it is it is indeed my fault. Um, maybe Your if I'd gone fault to for sure. Maybe if I'd gone to McDonald's, I would have known. But I will say, uh, the west side of Ohio, like what what area of Ohio were were you in? Yeah, I was on the west side of it. Okay, so like Toledo area. No. I don't I don't want to reveal where I was at, Mark. Oh, I'm trying I'm just trying to contemplate. Okay. Well, in fairness, if you go south of Toledo on the west side of Ohio, there is not shit there. So um I cannot speak to the efficacy of you know, like London, Ohio, uh <laughs> McDonald's is, but uh I really do like I'm sorry Columbus, for Ohio. You. Columbus is to, awesome. I go I to their Columbus. zoo. I like it. Um, yeah, I, I lived in Columbus for a while, and I loved it there. I actually have contemplated moving back, um, but that's a that's a big TBD. But yeah, point being, when you're in Cleveland, Cleveland is like, and it's big, and there's a suburban sprawl. But then you get like ten minutes south of where I live, and it's just straight fields and Amish country until you get to Columbus, two hours away, and then you go. It's same thing, suburban sprawl in Columbus. And then you go south to the west for about two and a half hours before you get to Dayton. And there's really nothing in between. And then that is the exact same thing when you go north from Dayton all the way up to Toledo. So 
again, I can't, you can't hold it against the entire state. I've been to most, I've actually never been to Cleveland. I've cool been place. to Dayton, I like I've Columbus been to Cincinnati, better. I've been to Columbus. I've actually never been up to Cleveland before. But I do think it's funny that you're like describing Ohio as like there being all these fields in Amish country as if that isn't what a big portion of Indiana is. So, well, yeah, <laughs> but no, fair enough. Fair enough. But I do think that you need to report back to me and tell me if you see any billboards for the frozen Sprite lemonade anywhere in Ohio, because if you don't, I'm going to feel bad for you because I know that you like ices and I feel like you would really like this. Oh, I guess I I should. I feel strongly about it. But another thing that we have to bring up, I don't know if you saw it, but I was rightfully called out and checked by our listeners because when I did my last popsicle ranking, there was a popsicle I hadn't tried. So that might have had something to do with why I was in in Ohio. We can't completely say, but um, <laughs> oh there, my god, there was there was I had not tried the cherry pop, so okay. not the cherry fruit bar, the cherry popsicle. There's a variety pack where you get tangerine, grape, and cherry in a box, and it's kind of like raspberry. The only way you can get the raspberry is if you buy the lemonade or the lemon, lime, and raspberry box. So I had to go find these cherry popsicles. I got them. I am going to be honest with you, Mark. I don't like cherry really anything except for cherry pie. That's like, wow, we are so different. Yeah, I don't like cherry. So I went into it with very low expectations, but I told the person who called me out that I would, I would keep an open mind and that there aren't any losers when it comes to outshine popsicles. So I got them. I tried it on a Sunday morning. I took a picture of it to document and prove that I tried it. I'm telling you what, it wasn't bad. Like I did not mind it. I don't know if you've had the cherry. But I'm not going to redo my entire ranking, but I will say that it ranks above tangerine, it ranks above lime, and it ranks above um, watermelon. And I, I, just, I don't even like cherry. you having this giant whiteboard uh, next to you. Similarly to like, I have a giant whiteboard to write all my stuff out that I need to do. I just have a feeling that you have this giant whiteboard that is constantly shifting and evolving rankings of Alshon Pop Schools. Well, I mean, people rely on us for this, Mark. They listen and they they base their purchases on this. And I will say, too, that I really like I already like the grape ones. We already know that I ranked those in the top three. But the grape pops, I ate three of those in one night. Jesus. I had two of the lime in one day and I actually felt kind of sick to my stomach. So I've tried I don't to see how that's po- well. The lime's the intense. Their lime's intense, but I just had one grape one. I was like, "Wow, that was really good." Got another grape one. I was like, mm, "I could probably still have the last one." They only put three grape in the variety pack. Like it was supposed to be an even mix, but there was only three. So I was like, "I'm gonna eat these." But that's how they. Anyways, get yeah, we've now we've now fulfilled uh, the needs of the people, telling them. I'm recommending to you go to McDonald's if you're in Indiana. If you're lucky enough to be in Indiana and not Ohio. Go to McDonald's and get the frozen Sprite lemonade. And of course, always eat an Outshine Popsicle. I think soon enough, you and I will be starring in Outshine commercials instead of the Kinetico ads during Pacer games. Yes. Well, I think if anybody's going to make it happen, I think there's a chance we can make the Outshine on TV happen. So let's see. I mean, there were, I don't know if you noticed, but there was Outshine commercials randomly during the NBA playoffs. I I had never seen that in my life. And like during playoff games, there was Outshine Popsicle ads. Most improved player next year? Yeah. I mean, I don't see why not. It's very possible. Well, Caitlin, this was an absolute blast. I will be on the lookout for that uh, that Sprite lemonade ice concoction. Um, I'll I'll see if I can will myself to drive through McDonald's. Um, just, actually, just don't I look at the food. I'm not just gonna lie. The food. McDonald's did sound kind of good to me yesterday. I had like a really intense workout and I got done. And I'm like, 
I could make something or I eat McDonald's. I ended up making something because I didn't feel like driving anywhere. But point being, um, very much in the same boat. But Caitlin, this was this was an absolute blast. To everyone listening, if you haven't already, go read Caitlin's newest article. Um, it was very good. I have not gotten to read it yet, but I know that it's very good. It is on just my blind confidence, just blind confidence. I always have blind confidence in you. It oh, is on you. my to do list to read it. Uh, my I, Caitlin, I promise I am not. I'm not just bullshitting. I have been like the last couple of weeks have just been a lot time wise. So um, I am very much looking forward to actually getting to take a break and read this. But thank you to everyone for listening. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.